0: Team.
1: This was scheduled to be a nice, quiet day of a couple long-form interviews for you to enjoy, and you'll still hear those interviews, but thanks to Javi Baez's post-game presser Sunday, we have other popcorn bags to throw in the microwave as well. The Mets preparing to host Miami and start their final push towards the playoffs, hopefully, but we have a little first things first for your fine, fine self. It all begins right now. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing. A while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. lead out. One of the great Seinfeld episodes, in my opinion, involved Jerry going to the workplace of a heckler to boo the heckler, Toby. I believe was her name, and she was indeed annoying. Just like the Mets have been at times this year, we love them, but they have annoyed us sometimes, losing 20 of 29 in August, for example. However, Jerry Seinfeld was and is to this day an independent contractor. He represents only Jerry Seinfeld. Baez Lindor and Pilar represent the New York Mets, and that's a little different. Josh Lewin with you, and eventually we will have fun interviews and rainbows and lollipops. But first, the news. Uh, A few of the Mets have been doing a large-scale trolling of the fan base. They don't like getting booed by the fans, so they will celebrate success with a thumbs-down sign. You boo us, we boo you. And Baez clued the general public in on that little inside bit. After that, Mets president Sandy Alderson issued a statement that read in part, quote, the Mets will not tolerate any player gesture that is unprofessional in its meaning or is directed in a negative way towards our fans. I will be meeting with our players and staff to convey this message directly. Mets fans are loyal, passionate, knowledgeable, and more than willing to express themselves. We love them for every one of these qualities. Unquote. Man, that's good. So uh, Baez has been a Met since July 31st. He's hitting 210. He struck out 22 times in 17 games and was hurt for a couple weeks. Wrong guy to have been taking this to the streets, so to speak. The Mets need leadership in that clubhouse because the chances of a thumbs down inside joke while David Wright was playing here would have been 0.0%. Lindor is the guy who's here for the next 10 years, and I think he's the guy that should stand up and say, we all did something silly and we're genuinely sorry. Hey, I've got kids in their 20s, and sometimes they put something on social media or say something out loud. They should have said only in their brain. And as a dad, you point it out. And as a kid, hopefully they learn. That is the upshot of all this. I hope we will all come out of this just fine. This was never Jack McDowell flipping off the fans at Yankee Stadium. Baez needs to show fans he understands the bad optics. Uh, It's not all his fault, of course. But hey, the Mets were six games over and had a three and a half game lead when they picked him up. Now they're five games under, and they're seven and a half games out. Mike Piazza was booed when he struggled his first few weeks with the Mets. Carlos Beltran got booed. Across town, Tino Martinez. Dave Winfield got booed. This is not St. Louis, Louis. This town likes to boo if it sees something it doesn't like. It will also, by the way, be there for you like a brother if you need some help. I think the events of 20 Septembers ago are the best example of that. So there will be a team meeting today. There will be apologies and growth, and we will all shine on, like the moon, the stars, and the sun. We move on right now. The double interview that I promised you, linking the guy that hit the All-Star Derby home runs and the guy who served up the meatballs. Let's start with Dave Jous. Caught up with him on the recent Mets road trip out west. Hope you enjoy a wide-ranging conversation with a truly interesting man, 64 years old, played college ball at Amherst with Dan Duquette, son of the late Chicago Tribune sports writer Bill Joust, a five-minute interview starting with the whole home run derby thing. Is it weird to you that that's now what you're known for? I mean, you've always been a great VP pitcher, I get it, but now you're like the most famous one in the world.
2: <laughs> I, I No, the, the most famous home run hitter in the world for home run derbies right now is Pete Alonso, oh, That it should that. be, and, that's, and, and there's a whole lot of people that come along with that, and I happen to be one of the people that was at that to be able to assist him in doing that and i hope that i'm known to be a uh, a good good teammate in the clubhouse and in the dugout and a good dad and a good husband and a good friend more than all those other things
1: i gotta ask you though because i have always sucked at throwing BP, even to my kids what, what, what's the secret is, is there something that you can pass along to uh, a budding father out there listening to this right now how do you do it
2: well uh well It's a good thing that you ask about fathers because I think fathers that have young children, and that's boys and girls because I really do believe that your generation that have young kids, I think there's going to be a girl that is the first professional a major league player. I really believe that. But I think you get on a knee to throw them batting practice because they're at a better height level for them to learn to hit. But what that comes is that you just get into a common delivery just like a regular pitcher does. It's just that we don't throw as hard, but you do with the best pitchers, the Maddoxes, the Saberhagens, the Pedro Martinez, the Jake DeGroms, their delivery is the same all the time. Well, as a BP pitcher, your delivery has to be the same all the time. I've been able to do that, maybe because I didn't have good enough arm strength, so when I played a little bit of shortstop or second base in college, my delivery had to be real good because I wasn't strong enough to ever throw anybody out if I didn't do everything right.
1: You know, you, you just mentioned fatherhood and dads, but I don't mean to make either of us weep, but... Man, I, I loved your dad. Uh, when he wrote uh, in Chicago, for those who don't know, he was just such a brilliant sports writer. Um, did, did any of that, his profession, rub off on you in terms of the actual writing, or was it just more the whole uh, being around sports and, and nurturing that?
2: That's a really good question. And when you talk about the All-Star Game and everything that went on, it really brought a lot of really positive memories about my dad because of people from Chicago and writers and um, radio people would would call my friends from chicago and brought back great memories of my dad who yes he showed the Uh, showed me an opportunity to have pure enjoyment in sports and baseball and basketball and all sports really however the writing gene definitely skipped the generation (laughs) and went to another part of our family because my wife's an author all of our sons write really well i can't write my name so i had to do something like coaching
1: that's crazy so do you have though uh, a particular column or a particular arc that your dad fashioned that that to this day you think you know what I i love remembering when he wrote whatever
2: it was but more that when he was the first had the show that was the first nationally syndicated tv show the sports, show, writers, the sports yeah. writers at sports channel america because it showed what he and his writer friends would do in the backseat of a car or in our living room <laughs> after going to a northwestern game or after going to a notre dame game and the the sports writers in the back seat with my dad would be and back then, they might even have a cold beer in the back no. seat. But my mom would drive the three, the three of us—my brother, my sister, myself—would be in the front seat with my mom. No seatbelts at that time, and we'd hear those guys argue and yell for two hours back from Notre Dame, or in the living room, argue about something and discuss something, and have best be best friends when they 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 got done arguing their point.
1: Your dad got to write about some really bad Cubs teams, some really interesting Bears teams. Was there for the Michael Jordan Bulls. Yeah. Uh, again, I just have to ask for you growing up, and by then I know you were you were not a little kid, obviously in the in the eighties or whatever. But uh, that whole experience to to hear those stories from him to you, and knowing that there was uh, kind of a sacred bond, right? Like you're not supposed to go blabbing a lot of this stuff to your friends.
2: No, and and almost to the point where I have one autograph only for all the times I would go to, with my dad into. Wrigley field in the dugout never in the clubhouse but in the dugout or on the field or at the, the Chicago Stadium to watch uh, Louelle cinder play sure. or something I never got an autograph other than one time with a broken arm I got uh, I got Ernie banks to sign my cast okay so it shows that I would not step over the bounds and bother a player for an autograph or bother anything so yes it it, it, it did help me make my Break into professional baseball um, probably easier than most people that didn't get to play. It probably helped me and assisted me.
1: And, and Dave, now that you're into what you're into, and you're basically a professional helper, is the way I look at it. And I always go back to Clint Hurdle had the line about I can be a coach or a couch, you know, whatever you need. And it sure. seems like a lot of that is true for what you do, right? You kind of, kind of walk that line. Uh, you're, you're a father figure to a lot of these guys now.
2: I, I, I want to be a father, a friend, a mentor, and that's also to love them and also to discipline them because part of love is discipline. I, I believe the same way that I've treated my sons, I try to treat every player here, and I think we have that type of bond. I, I think our clubhouse is that way. I think a lot of players that I've been have the fortune and the blessing to be able to be with, feel that same way
1: so there's a little of what dave joust is all about and as for the man that belted all those home runs off him in denver before the all-star game many of you already know the pete alonso story very well but for those that don't here's a little more insight starting with his college experience in gainesville florida university of florida enjoy so I want to take you back to your other blue and orange. I want to talk some Florida Gators with you, All if right. you don't mind. I know that's a favorite subject of yours anyway. How close did you come to go on a Hurricanes instead of Gators?
3: Um, so I actually got offered uh, in the same day uh, from Miami and, and Florida. And it was uh, it was interesting because I had a, I had a really <laughs> high appreciation for, for both, uh, both schools and, and both programs so when i was a little younger i loved watching jamal weeks yonder Alonso, yonder, sure, yeah. um and those like those uh those miami teams absolutely raked and for me it was um it was really fun watching watching them in omaha and stuff like that but uh uh having a bunch of guys from uh from florida um went to my high school kyle tucker be one of them yeah and then um and then eventually seeing a bunch of guys uh, in my area and guys that I played travel ball a little bit older than me, uh, saw were committed to go there, and watching the uh, uh, greats like Mike Zanino, Preston Tucker, uh, Nolan Fontana, and seeing those guys and, and the type of uh, swag and, and grit they brought to the game, I just thought uh, to watch those guys was really special, and, and both schools would have, um, I, I felt like would have been a good fit, but uh, I, th- I thought that the University of Florida was best for my career and the, and the best for uh um as a stepping stone uh, uh to accomplish my dream and to be a major league baseball player
1: well speaking of swag and grit if i remember this right you broke your wrist i want to say and you you hustled back in like three weeks to get there in time for omaha
3: yeah so i um yeah so i i, I uh played the last three weeks of uh my my college season with a broken hand and um as is honestly probably some of the best baseball i've ever played in my life so wow. it, was, it was really uh it was really special to, to help my team and uh, be able to get get my body ready enough to compete in the playoffs and I just I'm, I'm the type of guy that's going to lay it all out there and uh, the one thing I told myself was uh, after I originally found out my hand was broken it's like this isn't going to be uh, my last game as a Gator I, I know like I'm going to put all the work in and uh, I'm going to make it happen so I can uh, so I can help my team and thankfully I was able to uh, to go off in the and the regionals and super regionals and, and, um, help, help the team get
1: to, uh, get to the world series. That's exactly. The kind of stuff that met fans want to hear now, mm-hmm. which is great. And for those that don't know, uh, Pete Alonso, history major at Florida. And I'm interested in how you wandered there. Cause you're a bright guy. You probably could have done some other things and looked at other majors. What, what is it about history that spoke to you? I, I love history and I feel like I'm a, I'm a very good writer.
3: And, um, I don't necessarily think I can put all my thoughts um, into when I speak and and get my clear, crisp uh, point across. I think that I can do that uh, the best way in my writing, and also I failed calculus.
1: (laughs) Well, that's what it really comes down to, isn't it?
3: It it does, but it doesn't. But I I think ultimately I would have ended up as a as a history major. I love. um, I wanted to do uh, business because I think um, having you, you have to still have to do a lot of a lot of. A lot of uh, communication and uh, really uh, business. I, I think do, is done, and uh, the best business is done with um, with relationships and, and networking and dealing with uh, high quality people. And I think that uh, I feel like that would have translated well in a in a business degree. But I feel like that uh, I took my route in history. I feel like you, there's so many uh, so many different ways um, uh, for a career path if baseball didn't work out.
1: And now you're in New York, which, let's face it, is kind of the epicenter for that kind of thought process, right? I mean, you've got you do the stuff with city, you've got, I'm sure, a bunch of other business opportunities. That all due respect to say the Kansas City Royals or whatever, but you're kind of like right in the middle of all that. If you wanted, yeah, it's it's uh, New
3: York is a really special market, and uh, to be able to have as many opportunities as as I've had is is really is really special, and I, I really. I I really enjoy being a part of, being a part of the city and, um, and not, not just uh, being a part of it and not just the business opportunities it's brought, but I love, I love the community, I love the people, and I'm super appreciative of, of not just Mets fans, but just everybody who's welcomed me to the city, and I just want to keep uh, keep playing hard. I don't just represent uh, the New York Mets. I represent uh, the city of New York as well, and um, I, I'm really thankful And uh, with my foundation and stuff, uh, stuff that we do. I just want to continue to give back to the people that have uh, really welcomed me and embraced me and, and do good in the community,
1: and it's so funny because obviously you're known universally now as Polar Bear, yes. which, which is great. But you know, you weren't even really known as Pete for a while. I mean, I always read about Peter Alonso when you were in college, and it seems like you've worked hard to separate no. Peter from Pete. You know?
3: No, it's, it's everyone. Everyone at the yard called me Pete. Everybody in the in the baseball world and. Uh, not, not just the baseball I feel like everybody everybody calls me Pete because um, in like every media guy when you were 18, 19 it said Peter
1: yes. Alonzo I'm like I, I, I've always heard Pete
3: yeah so for me it's um, yeah I, I just thought it would make it easier it's like listen like you guys don't need to call me Peter like my mom <laughs> that's, that's pretty formal and I know like my mom I think my mom's the only person that calls me Peter when you're in trouble probably oh, yes yeah. yes
1: uh, brother is Alex. Do I have that right? Yes. Uh, we don't call him Alexander? No. So, lacrosse guy. Yes. And pretty damn good at it, I hear. This is the thing that I don't know if people in New York really get is, had there been such a thing as pro lacrosse and it was, like, well-paying, that's yeah. maybe something you could have done too? Oh. We just had a lacrosse ball speed bias, by the way. Uh, it was a baseball, I, really. No, I, I loved the game of lacrosse growing up, and I feel like, for
3: me, like, having uh, – I, I love the game. It's it's such a an incredible an incredible sport, and uh, I feel like having playing different sports and, and having that, um, and I guess having a background in I, I played football as well, and having a, a background in different sports is, has not, hasn't just helped me. Uh, Physically learning different skills and, and, uh, strengthening my body. And it's also, it also helps mentally with your mindset because I feel like, uh, baseball, it's a little bit more cerebral than, um, uh, than football and, and lacrosse. But I feel like having that gritty, tough, uh, do whatever it takes mentality and blending that with, uh, with the mindfulness and, and kind of a tactical side of baseball. I think that's kind of helped me, um, Helped me with my own skills and, and approach to the game of baseball, so I feel like it's really, it's really helped a, a ton.
1: Help me with this one, Pete, because you grew up in suburban Tampa. You did not grow up in Maryland. You did mm-hmm. not grow up in Central New York. Other than maybe like the American Pie movie that had lacrosse in it as a central theme, right. wh- why would you gravitate to lacrosse? So I, I just loved. So I, I like I said before, I played football, and
3: I was like. Um, It had that same tenacity as football, and also it's. uh, I didn't have to wait uh, the entire uh, all spring uh, until fall for football, so I was able to play lacrosse and football growing up in the same season. So, or lacrosse and baseball in the same season, which was really, which was really fun because I. I, One thing I loved, I loved uh, the physical aspect. Like I loved. I loved hitting. Uh, I loved tackling. I was, I was a fullback, tight end, and, um, and uh, linebacker growing up. And I, I loved playing. And uh, lacrosse, I played a lot of midfield, a lot of defense. So I uh, did some scoring, but my favorite thing was was hitting people. I love it. So football-wise, were you like a little Mike Allstott? I mean, is that, was that your guy growing up in Tampa? I loved Mike Allstott, but uh, loved John Lynch uh, as right well. Like John Lynch, he's just an absolute maniac out there just uh flying all over the field and i think that um he's just a those, those two guys I, I really Derek brooks another one warren Sapp. like i was really lucky to grow up uh, and watch those uh those uh kind of iconic i mean iconic football players in tampa but seeing those those guys and there's a, a lot of great buccaneers teams i was blessed to watch with and th- those guys were my my heroes on the gridiron and Um, It was really cool. I actually got to meet uh, Paul Rabel, who I watched
1: um, uh, in the lacrosse world, so meeting him was really sick. That's cool. Yeah. Now, before I let you go, because I know you got to jump, I do want to talk to you about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because I know it was a long wait. Uh, The lightning, obviously, had already made it title town. The race came so close. What a, I mean, 15 months or 18 months, whatever that was, but give me a little sense of where you were who you were with and what it was like when the Buccaneers stuck it up Kansas City's you know what oh
3: I was at the game I was at the game and I was with um I was actually uh with with my fiance we were at, we went to the game and uh it was really cool like going and uh I actually got to meet Luke Bryant Mike Tyson uh and then also I got to say hello to Tino because I've uh I've known Tino uh Tino Martinez for a long while he's a Tampa baseball guy and um i I actually played lacrosse with uh latino's son uh tj yeah um but we um it was cool to kind of see different people and meeting luke bryan was really special and same with uh same with mike tyson and um and just seeing how that was just kind of just a kind of surreal night and and seeing and it just made me so proud uh um it just made it just made me so proud to be uh to be a tampanian I I, I I live there I, lo- I love the city and um, and it's really it's really a special place for me because I, I grew up going to a ton of bucks games uh, in my baseball uniform uh, in a Batman costume like I you know when I was when I was a super little kid with my dad and um, so no and, and for me it's really special because I sh- I share a lot of great memories there with my dad and uh, we used to go to games all the time together so it's really really special place for me and also um, I, I just yeah, being a Bucs fan, it's 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 really cool. Um, I love always love supporting my hometown teams. We're gonna funnel that to the Metsies. I know it. Thank you, buddy. LFGM. Thank you.
1: Thanks to Captain Positive Pete Alonso. He said at a press conference a few weeks back, Mets fans believe in us and don't just believe. No, just smile and know that we got this. Hope he's right. Not super easy to smile these days. Still seven and a half games out. And the fellows are about to get bitched out by the boss man, Sandy Alderson. So here's hoping today's Clubhouse meeting goes well, that we all move on quickly from this latest piece of weirdness. We all kind of tolerated Rat vs. Raccoon, tried to understand Donnie Stevenson, we laughed along with the home run horse. So now we turn the page on whatever this team bonding exercise of thumbs down to the crowd was supposed to have been. As you know, as a Mets fan, it is always onward and upward. What's coming up could be good. This series with Miami begins with a modest two-game win streak. And in the last game, seven different Mets scored a run. Five different Mets had an RBI. They just stole two bases in each of the last two games. First time they had done that since June of 2019. So today, Taiwan Walker will relieve Marcus Stroman, as it were, in Game 1. The makeup of the suspended game from April. Trevor Williams starts Game 2 of this very unusual setup. 1 o'clock this afternoon... We resume play after a gap of 142 days. It's the largest gap for a suspended game in Major League history. Runner at first, one out, Jesus Aguilar, will be ahead in the count, 2-0. If the runner comes around to score, it's charged to Stroman, who's not even going to play. If the runner doesn't score, his ERA goes down. Five of the nine Marlins from that game are no longer with their team. So a wholesale lineup change is coming. And a reminder, game two will be just seven innings tonight and finally as you may have heard Noah Syndergaard's long-awaited return is delayed a bit and he tested positive reportedly for COVID he was vaccinated hasn't experienced any symptoms but just a reminder y'all this thing ain't over please be careful please be smart and please be safe and hey one last thing since we're talking health very best wishes to my friend and booth partner of seven years on WOR and WFAN the great Howie Rose future Mets Hall of Famer should be in Cooperstown as well Has to have some surgery and will miss the rest of the season. Goes without saying, his voice and knowledge will be sorely missed. Uh, Wayne's got you in good hands, of course, in the booth. But Howie, we miss you already and wish you all good things for a speedy and perfect recovery. And to get the good mojo out there for Howie, for the team, for all of us right now, let's salute this wonderful Mets in the Morning House band that works so hard on your behalf. As a shout out to Howie, some guys from his favorite Mets team of all time, World Series champs of 1969. On keyboards, Ken Boswell. Slapping the bass, it's Wayne Garrett. The horn section is Jim McAndrew, and on drums, it's 83-year-old Al Weiss. This is Josh Lewin. We'll chat again tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed the show.